When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to TMZ Movie Crashers. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the TMZ Movie Crashers podcast. I'm your host, Paige from 2Fabs. And I'm Fabian from TMZ. And we have lots to talk about today, so let's get right into it. So our big segment today, our big topic, which we like to call the big motion picture, Mm -hmm is all about Jared Leto's method acting approach is making headlines again, and Hollywood has a lot to say about it. Yes, uh, they do. Um, So Mads Mikkelsen, who is a Danish actor, uh, he spoke out against method acting, and it is the type of method acting that Jared Leto seems to be at the forefront of these days. Um, He did an interview with GQ, British GQ, Um, They asked him about method acting, and he essentially said this. He says, over-preparation can take you into insanity. And then he said, he basically said, I'm not impressed if you overcommit to a role. Like, I'm not impressed if you stay on character during breaks. I'm not impressed if you're you're so deep in the role. He says that's ridiculous. And he here's a quote, a very interesting quote from him. He says, what if it's a shit film? What do you think you achieved? Am I impressed that you didn't drop character? You should have dropped it from the beginning. How do you prepare for a serial killer? You're going to spend two years checking it out? Um, So Mads Mikkelsen is not impressed with the the overly method of method acting. And he essentially says that you're you're either a great actor or you aren't. Right. Being a method actor doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a great performance. He even used Daniel Day-Lewis as an example, who, of course, is the king of method, known for his... um, extreme methods for going, uh, for getting into a character. But he says that, you know, he's a fantastic actor, but doesn't have to do with his method acting is what Mads is trying to say here. Right. He was talking about Daniel Day and he was basically saying, I do think Daniel Day-Lewis has taken it too far and that he can and has at times been pretentious Mm -hmm. in his like preparing for a role. Like, I mean, that stuff is like storied, right? My left foot, et cetera. Um, But like you say, that has nothing to do with it in his mind. He thinks if you're a great actor, you're a great actor. And in Daniel Day's Lewis case, it works because he's a great actor. It has nothing to do with the, the deep devotion and the preparation and the method acting. Um, another person who chimed in on method acting and sort of slammed it is Will, Will Poulter. Will Poulter. So uh, he's, you know, if you don't know who he is, he's been like in Dope Sick, um, Maze Runner series. He's going to be in um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah. He also extreme um, criticized extreme method acting. Again, he alluded to Leto without naming it. We should we should um, clarify that, that both Mads Mikkelsen uh, and Will Poulter didn't didn't mention Jared. They by didn't name. say his name, but it's quite clear in my mind that they're talk. They're not. They might not be thinking of Jared Leto, but they're talking the about the of, type of method acting his that approach. Jared. His approach to method acting is exactly what they're getting at. Here's what Will Poulter said. He says, "When it comes to when it comes to an actor's process, whatever that is, so long as it doesn't infringe on another person or you're being inconsiderate, then fine. But if your process creates an inhospitable environment." then to me, you've lost sight of what's important. Method acting shouldn't be used as an excuse for inappropriate behavior, and it definitely has. Now, that's that's, part. that's the one where I'm like, damn, Jared Leto comes straight 
in my mind. And inappropriate behavior, inappropriate. and it definitely has. That mm-hmm. screams Jared Leto. So let's explain why why we think Jared Leto yes. when we're hearing these quotes. And and the reason is Jared Leto famously, infamously, <laughs> it's hard to say, he has maybe infamously gotten so deep into character, and he oftentimes stays in character even when the cameras aren't rolling. Most recently, for Morbius, Morbius, which is Marvel-Sony crossover. He plays like a vampire. It's it's a, he plays a, a a disabled doctor who turns into a vampire, and because, the guy like, he was looking for a cure, and then he said, right. yeah, whatever, and, and, and the guy can't walk. Like he uses crutches, right? So that's the whole thing of Doctor Michael Morbius. He walks on crutches, and apparently <laughs> this that like makes me laugh. It's, it's so, so it's ridiculous. so damn silly and goofy, it's so goofy. and kind of absurd. But anyway, yeah. so apparently the word is, and this has been confirmed by the director himself, um, Jared, just like he has for many other movies of his, stayed in character during Morbius in, in the in the sense that. He kept walking on crutches. He's like hobbling around. And, and then a- here's the kicker right yes. here. So the kicker is that it was slowing down production for bathroom breaks with it, him with the crutches. It was slowing down production in general, especially so, for the bathroom breaks. Yeah, especially for the bathroom breaks. So he started using a wheelchair to go to the bathroom. Yeah, so instead of Wheel hobbling them. over with the crutches and taking his sweet time, they said, Jared, we'll meet you halfway. Please get into a wheelchair and wheel yourself. So he was like, like zipping into the bathroom, getting back in the chair, uh, coming back to set. So, th- so this can you imagine if he had like a, a crazier costume? Like that probably would have just slowed down everything. Absolutely. Yeah. But this, this again, just it, it sounds funny and it is funny and it's silly and it's goofy. But th- this commitment that Jared Leto has to these characters and this is his process. And by the way, he's defended it. So this, this is a uh, a relatively innocent instance of it, right? But there's been several that been were not. Some, there have been some that have been not. Have, exactly. You, you said it way more elegantly than I just did. There have, <laughs> there have been some instances where some people have taken issue with the way Jared Leto goes about his method acting, specifically when he played the Joker in Suicide Squad, the original Suicide Squad with Margot Robbie. Well, she was yeah, in both, yeah. but Will Smith, like the, yeah. the OGs. Um, and apparently for that that set and when everybody showed up on set, Jared Le- get Leto from the get-go was in character as the Joker. He was playing the Joker, and he was also sending gifts to all the cast members. Really? Some of these gifts uh, were so disturbing, and in fact, we actually have a quick little compilation. We have some sound of the cast describing the gifts, describing the reactions to the gifts. Uh, let's play some of that sound right now. But seriously, Suicide Squad was such a great movie to work on. Jared Leto stayed in character like the whole time, which was so, so fun. Not fun. It was kind of uncomfortable. Joker. Yeah. He did some bad things, Jared Leto did. He gave some really horrific gifts. First, we found out that Jared wasn't going to be in rehearsal. So we were like, oh, well, that's messed up. Uh, You know, uh, he's going to not be in in rehearsal. And then there was a a bang on the door. And, you know, we're like, oh, who is that? You know, this dude barges in and throws a dead pig down on the floor in front of us. And we're like, oh, shoot. And he said, that's from Mr. J. So in addition to all that stuff, the dead pig, and, and look, they, they sort of talked about it in kind of like a jovial- Like they didn't seem like they didn't seem actually s- offended. You're right. But another thing that was not played in that clip that was actually talked about, which Jared Leto himself copped to, and we have, there's video evidence of this, despite what he might say these days. Um, he was apparently sending used condoms to a lot of the people, and, so and he was also nasty. sending like porno magazines that like he thought that the Joker might read or might wa- like whatever. And he was sending, so he was sending all this stuff. And, and again, Jared Leto himself is on the red carpet. It's an e clip. We can pull it if we need to. 
Um, he cops to the condoms. He says, yeah, I was sending used condoms, blah, blah, blah. He was sending a variety of gifts. And even Viola Davis, you can kind of hear. She's the one that seemed actually a little she, and, I'm, and frankly, I'm sure that a lot of people were offended. In fact, they're, they're trying to put on a kind of yeah. happy face but for the she, movie premiere. She's the one that you could kind of tell. Yes, and, like and, and, the Joker, and the Joker aftermath, um, there was some controversy about it. Because yes, like they're, they're talking about it here in jest. But it does seem some people were offended. Some outlets picked it up. And then there was a lot of questioning. Like, is Jared Leto taking it too far? with his method acting? Is he using his method acting as an excuse to be inappropriate, to act inappropriate? And then Jared Leto himself spoke to this. He doubled down. He defended himself in pretty stark terms. Let's hear that sound right now, too. Did you send used condoms to? Oh, everybody. Um, maybe they didn't want to tell you, but no, I mean, I did a lot of things to, to create a dynamic, to create an element of surprise, of spontaneity. That's surprise. Uh, and, uh, and to really break down any kind of walls that may be there. I mean, the Joker is somebody who doesn't really respect things like personal space or boundaries. This clip is brought to you by E from the Red Carpet. A couple years later, he was on like a Sirius XM interview. It was like a serious interview. She was asking him about that again. Um, and he, was, he, took, he took issue with the fact that it had been kind of, in his mind, warped and distorted and made into this really negative thing. And he was saying, no, 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 in the moment, the cast loved it, we all, it was all in good fun. But then he got serious and he, he said something to the effect of, you know, like, hey, this is my process and if you don't like my process, you can kiss my ass. That's, how, that's what Jared Leto said. And there are, and again, going back in his filmography, there have been multiple instances of him getting several. several, very into character, staying in character when the cameras weren't rolling. Here's a quick little example of if people will indulge us. Uh, way back when for Requiem for a Dream, I think that was like 2000 or something. This is when he was first coming up, right? Um, that movie, if you don't know it, he he plays, they all play drug addicts, right? And it shows a lot of, have you seen that movie? Or? I haven't seen Requiem Oh, Lordy, you got to watch it. It's a, it's seen a doozy. the other one. It's a doozy. But anyway, so for that movie in which he plays a, a drug addict who's homeless at one point, et cetera, he actually lived on the streets of New York himself for like several weeks, apparently, and was starving himself, depriving himself of sex. And he thought that, you know, that pain, the pain he felt like in real life was going to somehow translate to a good performance on camera. The performance on camera is good, but the question then becomes, is it because of all the, the crazy stuff that you're doing off camera? Is that actually, is that translating to a good performance? Does that actually make the performance more authentic in his mind, yes. Um, but it's not necessarily, I think, the, I mean, in my opinion, the time that it did work was when in Dallas Buyers Club. Well, yeah. I mean, he won an Oscar. He did win an Oscar. So you're right. Like, that's the thing. Like, Jared Leto, I mean, he's such a bizarre actor because I can't tell he's if he's- a bizarre person. He's a bizarre person no for sure. But like, Jared. as far as his acting chops, sometimes, just like in Dallas Buyers Club, he won an Oscar. That was a good performance. Yeah. There, and then there are other times where I'm like, I think Hollywood thinks he's a good actor and they keep on, they, I, there's, there's this- Nominated for like the little things, like, no. Yeah, I just, I think Hollywood thinks Jared Leto is a really good actor. He actually, he has the hardware to prove it and the accolades to prove it. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying Jared Leto is capable of being a good actor, but more often than not, I think he's a mediocre actor that Hollywood is overhyping. Because and of this. Because of the method. The method, when somebody, when, when you hear about somebody going method for a role, and by the way, there are so many instances of actors doing this. Heath Ledger infamously went method for his Joker. That obviously and that ended it. Yes, ended in death, obviously. Jamie Foxx for Ray. Jamie taped his eyes taped shut. Taped his eyes shut. Like, yeah. like you, you don't think you just, you closing your eyes could have just, that would have that that been enough. That would have been the same type of performance. <laughs> like, no, I needed them shut. Like, I, so I couldn't open them. That's absurd. Yeah. 
But this type of like extreme method acting, as as Mads Mikkelsen and Will Poulter say here, it's asinine. It's yeah. silly. And in, and just like Will Poulter says, if you're starting to infringe on other people's comfortability and you're like, like Suicide Squad, like Suicide like Squad, did. that's when you're taking things too too far. And and that can't. And the method, the creative process of the method, and it seem being seen as some kind of high art form. Oh my God, we've got to respect the method. No. If you're bothering people, that's a problem. Yeah. That's like an HR there's, problem. There's like a, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's like a level where where method is like, okay, sure. I think. And there, but he always just goes what, overboard. What, what, what level do you consider okay? Like, I mean, like, like weight loss, that's fine for I me. I think weight loss. Christian Bale, Christian Bale, is, Christian Bale is known as a chameleon. He loses a ton of weight for his roles. Yeah. He gains a ton of weight. And he obviously takes it very seriously. But, but we that's don't a hear different of him, like, you know. Staying in character off like, camera. That's you know, a different if thing. If he plays, you know, he's not, you know, when he played, um, Oh my God, uh, Cheney! He wasn't right. like pretending to be Cheney. When exactly, he, when he, he was. was on, he gained on, the weight he yeah. needed to gain, which exactly. is great. That's commitment. Exactly. But as far as like when the cameras aren't rolling and you're still in character and you're insisting that people call you by the name of your character, yeah. that's uh, that's like, so Lady so Gaga stupid. stayed in. He stayed with um, the uh, her accent that's for so, House of Gucci, and that was like that didn't really pay off. Well, Maybe not. So let's talk about that real quick. So Jared Leto was also in House of Gucci and he got panned for his performance. I don't, I don't, I don't. I think he got a Razzie I think he might've gotten a Razzie nomination, but I'm not sure. I don't, I haven't heard of the stories of Jared Leto for House of Gucci, but we did hear stories about Lady Gaga apparently staying in character as Patricia, whatever her name is, as yeah. the wife of, of uh, Gucci. And she stayed in character even when the cameras weren't rolling. So I think she was kind of taking And it was page. even like affecting her like mental state, she said. Yeah, all that she, stuff, she so. essentially, the way I see it, especially since she was working with Jared Leto, again, maybe perceiving him as like, oh my God, Jared Leto, this great actor, Jared Leto. I think she took a page out of his book, became a weirdo essentially on set. And people were like, okay. So, it, and Jeremy Strong is another person who's recently gotten kind of some cringe responses you know, for his like over-dedication to roles. Like, what are you doing? I feel like- I don't know why I feel like a weird, I'm not going to get into it, but I feel like a weird, for a Jeremy Strong, I mean, obviously, like, some of the, his castmates, like, think it's, you know, weird, but he's not, it doesn't seem like he's, like, causing any discomfort in his castmates or them eh, getting irritated. Not to the level that Jared Leto no, has. No. Not to the level that Jared but Leto has. But there's no, like, like, actual inappropriate behavior, just people are getting a little uncomfortable. Right. Like it's him. like there's there's a line between kooky behavior yes. where it's like okay, you're kooky like whatever. It's and not like, really it's not really affecting me 100%. or bothering me, but Jared Let some of Jared Leto's storied method um moments if you will, they they do seem to kind of cross that line. And they don't really pay off. Well, not always. They don't always pay off. Like that's what I'm saying. They don't really yes, pay he, off. he it paid off for Dallas Buyers Club. You got an Oscar great. Morbius Stinker, <laughs> Joker. I mean, look, everyone can have their own opinion on this. I do not like his Joker. I don't like his Joker one bit. I think bit. he was like the worst Joker. I, even Blade Runner, like another, I would kind of consider that sort of a stinker performance. Like, I mean, like- and that he's, movie's great. Yeah, but he's, for <laughs> Requiem for a Dream, he did well in that. But like, yeah. again, what, you doing well in the role, you think you living on the streets of New York and starving yourself and like being, trying to pretend like you're a drug addicted, you think that actually channeled into the actual performance? Like, that's, that's crazy. I'm sorry to say it's it's, it's crazy. And- it's just so funny to me that like Hollywood is now kind of speaking out about it now and they're in more because I think it used for, to be like, ooh, they're going method. You're like, right. They're, they're going to get an Oscar. For a long time, yeah. I think actors sort of thought, yeah, oh my God, like if they're serious actors, they're method. You got to take it seriously. You got to give it some reverence and some respect. But now exactly. people are, the common sense is finally clicking in and people are saying, yeah, this is stupid. This is idiotic. Like this, especially if you're like making people uncomfortable like Jared Leto seems to have. Yeah. 
then you got to call it out for what it is. And funny enough, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, we'll, we're going to talk more about him later in this show, but um, he was on SNL this weekend, yeah, this past weekend. This weekend. He's hosted this past weekend, and he too talked about method because he himself has been victim. Attempted of, it. Has attempted went for method. It. He's he's known as a serious actor. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he's a great actor. But he don't himself, come for us Swifties. Yeah, don't come for us Swifties. <laughs> uh, he himself addressed method and said. I learned the error of my ways. Forget method. I just want to have fun. We actually have the sound for that. Let's hear what he said. The truth is, I was only doing that method stuff because I thought that's what you had to do to be a serious actor. And I kind of forgot how to have fun. That's when I realized something I should have realized a long time ago. Acting is a really stupid job. This clip is brought to you by SNL. So there it is. Jake Gyllenhaal right there at the end said, acting is a really stupid job. You're essentially doing make-believe professionally, getting a ton of money and fame for it. And as he says, you should have fun with it. And uh, that's so refreshing to hear from him because I, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is naturally a very gifted actor. He's got the chops. He was fantastic in Nightcrawler too. But again, it's like, it's just like, look, a good actor, in my, in my opinion, can turn it on and they can turn it off. Like the, the, the method behind it is is irrelevant in my opinion. Like, if you're a good actor, you can turn it on, you're in character, you're there, and, you and can, then, and then you, when you're done, you turn it off and you're back. That's the best kind of actor. I agree. And you can be like, you know, more like theatrical and dramatic. If yeah. You want to like do stuff, you know, offset or whatever, but like people just take it, some of these actors just take it too far. Including, like in my opinion, Jared Leto. I mean, yeah, again, totally. like, you know, he, I think Hollywood is enamored with him for some reason. I don't, I don't really get it. And I he, mean, the although, thing that, He's got potential to be a great actor. He does. Actor. He does have potential at times, but more often than not, he's a bit of a stinker, in my opinion. Sorry. I think a way to end this segment is I think I would like to see Jared Leto do a drama, like character um, kind of story, sure. big thing like that without any method acting. That would we'll be just see how it is. Just that raw would be an interesting experiment. And just see how it is. And who knows? He could be even better. Maybe maybe the method acting's holding him back. It could be, but you know what? Jared Leto to me, I mean, look, he's a veteran in Hollywood. He I, I he comes off to me as a very stubborn, stuck in his ways kind of guy, especially with that serious XM interview that I'm referencing. He really said, kiss my ass if you don't like it. This was like a few years back. So this is a grown ass man who I think is stuck in his ways. He's stuck grown in his ass process. Man who looks like he's in his 30s. Yeah. He in, needs to drop the skincare routine. Sorry. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so I don't think he's going to drop the method. He should. I think the only way he can like maybe pivot off the method is if another co-star of his who's just as power, powerful yeah. or well-known tells him, hey, dude, knock it off. Like, you're stopping. Like, until yeah. somebody checks him like that, he's going to keep on acting a fool. But And he went method for like a superhero film. Right, like, come on. Right, like, right, right. It's, it's absurd. Well, we could talk about this for a long time, but we yes. got to move on to our next segment. You've got to get a hold of yourself. We like to call this casting a light, and there was a lot of casting news this week. There really a lot was. of great stories. Um, we're going to talk about two in particular. The first one is Brie Larson is joining the Fast and Furious family. Mm-hmm. She's joining Fast Ten, and Vin Diesel announced on maybe announcement on Instagram a photo of them, very sweet photo. He had a long caption, but we'll read part of it. Um, he said, clearly there is love and laughter in this image. What you don't see, however, is the character will be introduced in Fast 10. You have no idea how timeless and amazing she will be in our mythology. Behind her beauty, her intellect, her Oscar. Haha, ha, is this profound soul who will add something you might not have expected, but yearn for. Welcome to the family, Brie. 
And then Brie herself, she posted the same photo. She she had a caption that was sort of echoing the like, same sort of thank sentiment. Thank you so much for welcoming me. Right, thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy to be a part of it, et cetera, et cetera. So the big, the, the headline, Brie Larson is going to be part of the Fast 10, the finale of the franchise. And th this, the reason this is a big deal to me, look, this is Vin Diesel's heart and soul, right? Yeah. His heart and, this is his baby, Fast and the Furious. This, this has been going on for like a decade plus already. And you can tell he's very invested I you know he was bit, he's been fishing for big talent. I think Jason Jason Momoa is Jason Momoa is attached, yeah. and I think is John Cena attached as well. I think he yeah, might be attached. Yeah, I think he was. The There's last one, right? so I'm saying over the years, Vin Diesel has been fishing for big talent, mostly been successful in getting that big talent, and including The Rock and the, and the re Charlie I think Theron, you know, Charlie Theron. Names. But I think the reason he was so excited to announce the the uh, Brie Larson casting. First of all, she's now in the realm of Marvel. She's in the realm of like big banner superhero movies. She's like an A-lister. And she's done independent films. Well, and she has, she has an Oscar. Yeah, so she's a good actress, but she, she's now in this upper echelon of stardom. And yeah. the fact that he got her, he was like, hell yeah. And I think, he, he, I don't think he didn't say it and it didn't really allude to it. But if you know the history, especially between The Rock and Vin Diesel oh, and, and all the bad blood. But the, the reason, the reason I think he was proud to kind of flaunt this, the Brie Larson casting, is because The Rock shot him down. Do you remember this from like a few months ago? Oh, yeah. Like he asked Vin, if he wanted Vin to Diesel, come back. Vin Diesel, like very, ex very explicit overtures. Not even overtures, just very direct messaging on Instagram to The Rock saying, hey brother, like come and, come and help us finish this, blah, 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 blah. Really kind of like, and backtracking from all the of the feud that they had, and essentially yeah. saying, "Come on, trying dude. to offer kind of, an olive branch." Really in, try, a way. in my opinion, kind of sort of guilting him into coming and finishing Fast Ten with him, and then The Rock turned him down. There was an interview in the Hollywood Reporter that came out shortly thereafter where he, yeah. he said The Rock found it laughable that he was kind of yeah. trying to shame him into getting the Fast Ten, sort of guilt trip him into into doing it again. Especially knowing, I mean, we don't have to relitigate that whole thing, but they were at odds so, with each other over the course of like three or four films that they did and The Rock exited. He's not going to be in the Fast 10. So he's done. Essentially what you're saying is because The Rock, is, he hasn't been in a couple films. The last time he did was the Hobbs and Shaw, the spinoff, right. right? So he's been in like, I think two or three different like fr uh, Fast franchise and movies. Yeah, and then after that, he he exited. And then there he's was done. the whole there was the whole um the whole beef. The long, it was like years, and you know they talked about it. And right. Then, um, but so what you're saying is because The Rock, which who's a big action star, yep. big name, he's like an, it, not just action. He's in a bunch of films, yeah. different kinds of genres. Um, you're saying that in almost in a way like Brie was almost like like a trophy, not a trophy, do, but like yeah, kind of like look at we got Captain Marvel. Yes, like literally. ha ha, we that, got Captain Marvel. Look, like I mean, look, I, this that's sort of this, and Aquaman and Aquaman. You're right. No, he's honestly, big. yeah, he's huge too. That's what I'm saying. Like, and that's sort of the cynical sort of view that I take. Is like I'm, I'm yeah. seeing it. I know Vince Vin Diesel's petty. And I know that this is his heart and soul. This is his baby. So yeah, I do think he was like, hell yeah. Like I got Captain Marvel. I don't need The Rock. And he probably, maybe he doesn't. See, you know? I didn't even, that's an interesting point because I didn't that's think how I, anything That's how I read that. this entire thing from the guy. I was like, wow, look at him touting Brie Larson, kind of holding her up on the mantle here. Like, hey, check it out. I got Brie and Larson. What do you think about that? Dwayne, like, you know? <laughs> Dwayne. Yeah, that's my. That's well, how I saw it. Well, off, <laughs> that was your visual. Um, well, <laughs> off that, I want to say that a lot of Breeze fans were very excited about this. Yeah. There were some critics because she does, for some reason, like some people like have, there's a strong, like a lot of critics, not like 
critics, actually film critics, but people like don't like her, mm. and it's like it's yeah, it's, it's weird, horrible. Like yeah, it's I'm not getting. But you remember the whole base. like the whole uh, Captain Marvel thing that happened when the first film came out? How they like re- they like a troll bombed the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. Like I do remember she's that. been treated like like shit by and a I don't lot really of people. Understand the Me neither. And she's either. like yeah. so she's uh, you know seems so sweet and down to earth and very and very talented. Obviously, yeah, she's really talented. And very talented. So yeah. I don't know what that's about. So I'm glad that. You know, she's making her money. She's making her money, yep. and she's going to be in another franchise. Yep. And you know, I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm so happy for her that she's in this. I film. am too. The last thing I'll say about this, and you sort of touched on it a little earlier. Brie Larson is an Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. She has Oscar caliber chops, right? Sort of like Jared Leto ish. Um, but she seems to lately have been kind of pivoted into this like mainstream, yeah. big budget popcorn sort of thing. And to me, it's like, look, I mean, you could argue she's a bit of a sellout. Maybe she is. And that if you want to be a sellout, make your money, do your thing. But I'd like to see her in something a little more serious soon. I think think after after this, after, you know, she's— Because I'm all for actors having a wide range of work. Think like Oscar Isaac. Yes, like like they're all over the place. But like eventually you got to bring it back to reality and kind of get— and sort of get serious again. I hope she does that soon, but we'll see. I'm sure she will. Yeah, and I'm happy for her either way and happy for Vin as well. Yeah. There was no pre-existing comics. There was no pre-existing books. This was the franchise born from the pavement, from the concrete. And the world just championed this underdog to a place where it has already surpassed all of these other franchises. But the franchise has a soul, and that soul has to rest. This clip is brought to you by ET Canada. And for the second casting topic we're going to talk about is about Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Oh, God. Now, first of all, I'm a huge Greta Gerwig fan. You know, I got my Lady Bird mug. I love Greta Gerwig. Um, so, <laughs> so Margot Robbie has is, of course, helming um, Margot Robbie's Barbie. Margot Robbie is playing Barbie herself. Yes, Margot Robbie has been cast to play Barbie. That's the that's that's what you're trying to say. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what okay. I was trying to say. Right. Margot Robbie's Barbie. Well, because she's also a producer. That's okay. why. That's why I said Margot Robbie's Barbie. So some oh, okay. people, that's yeah. Got Sorry, it. I know. Like, yeah, who? What? It's hard anyway. because the name and the doll are the same. To put it frankly, yeah. Margot Bar- Robbie is Barbie. Yeah, and Greta Gerwig is directing, and Ryan Ryan Gosling's playing Ken. Right. So this film. It gets, and Will Ferrell just joined, by the way, too. Yeah, yes, so I was, was going to say, cast. so like it almost seems like every single week there's another A-lister who is joining this film. Right. And, and it's very diverse cast. You got Seema Liu, you got Alexander Shipp, America Ferreira, yeah. Kate McKinnon. You know, it just keeps growing. And then right. just a couple days ago, it was announced that Will Ferrell is joining, like you mentioned, joining this A-list cast. Yeah, he's going to be playing the CEO of Mattel. Presumably. Sources say that. It's not, I mean, look, he's gonna. I think it's gonna happen. Yeah, well, because some I, yeah, some some other um, some reports said that they they didn't know who he was playing, but THR I, said they think he's playing the seat. It's gonna be like the plot of the film, which the the film is also written by um, Noah Baumbach, who did um, Marriage Story. Yeah. So and that's um, Greta uh, Greta Gerwig's partner as well. So, um, not actual partner, personal partner. Right. <laughs> um, and um, the plot details of the film are like kind of keep him under yeah, wraps. Yeah, they're officially under wraps, right. But apparently there's going to be some sort of like meta aspect to the film. So I don't know if it's going to be kind of like, it's going to be interesting because we're going to see, you know, a live action Barbie. I imagine it's going to play like a live action Toy Story. That's kind of how I see it playing. I that's, that's see that. Because Toy Story is meta, right? It's toys. I mean, unless they're going to do break the fourth wall and talk to the audience, if that's what they mean by meta, or if it's more like, oh, Barbie's very much aware that 
she's a toy and that, you know, she's aware of like these, these sort of superficial toy tropes that are kind of placed on her. That's kind Okay, of- so have you, I doubt you've seen this film. Have you ever seen the movie Life Size? Yes, with Tyra Banks. Yes. Yeah, okay. I have seen that movie. So that, Who do you think I am? Well, I don't know. That's like I've a, seen a lot of movies, Paige. Yeah, I've seen a lot of movies. Well, is that like a Disney, like, decom or something? I, like uh, I said, I've seen a lot of movies, okay, but go so, on. Yeah, so I feel like, you know, in that movie, like, you know, she plays a Barbie-esque doll, she right? Does. And she's like, I love I'm that movie, Eve, by the way. I, it's so funny. Shine, bright, shine. Well, so the thing is, that's, what, that's what's unclear like, about this, mo- is this gonna movie. Is it going to be something? Is it going to be... Uh, Margot Robbie as Barbie as a toy and like yes. kind of like with plastic and stuff or is it going to be Margot Robbie as Barbie who then comes to life and is like kind a real of like life, a life size kind like of life thing size. that's that, what I was thinking it's unclear what it's going to be that's why I brought it up the one so thing that's the only thing that's sort of interesting to me about this story uh, besides the, the star-studded cast is the fact that apparently Amy Schumer was first attached to play Barbie in this movie. This was like yeah. from a couple years back, yeah, right? Yeah, because this has been, the film's this, already the, the film has been kicked yeah. around. At, at first it was with Sony, now it's with Warner Brothers. Yeah. Amy Schumer was first attached to, to star as the lead. And then Amy Schumer came out and said something to the effect of- First she said it was scheduling conflicts. And then eventually she came out and said the real reason why. Correct. And then she said essentially- that she read sort of the script and her and the studio heads were just not on the same page on the vision for the film. And Amy Schumer, obviously, very much so a feminist, right? Very progressive. And she said something to the effect of like, like, oh, they wanted, um, I wanted Barbie to play an inventor and then they wanted, they wanted the invention to be high heels or something. And then apparently after Amy Schumer was cast, Sony sent her a gift. It was Manolo like, Blahniks. What are those? I don't know what that is. <laughs> what is that? I didn't. They're very, they're very expensive designer shoes. Okay, shoes. Like car- fancy car- shoes. Yeah, like Carrie Bradshaw shoes? heels. Heels. Yes. Okay, fancy yes. girl heels. Okay, there we like go. Like eight hundred dollars shoes. Okay, there you go. Plus. So, the, so Amy Schumer got yeah. sent those heels by the studio. It's like a, a congratulatory gift. Yeah. And then, what she, and what she said was, when I got those heels, that to me was telling of kind of how they were sort of seeing this whole thing. And what I think she means is this sort of stereotypical like glammed up, like let's, you know, Barbie, like kind of playing into like gender roles, et cetera. That's what Barbie historically has done over the years. Yeah. Reinforce those gender roles, et cetera. And I think Amy had more of a progressive vision and she wanted to, I think she wanted to do something more like Barbie's has to kind of challenge is the whole movie in her mind, I think when it was going to challenge those tropes and those norms and all that stuff. And what's weird about that. Cause it seems like from this cast. Yes. And, well, and the description, cause like Margot Robbie has talked about the movie. So yeah. after Amy exited, and they cast Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie has since come out and said, this is going to be a movie that challenges all the stereotypes that Barbie as a franchise and as a, as a brand has reinforced over the years. So Margot Robbie has, has come out publicly and said, this is going to be a progressive movie. Yeah. And then the question for me is, well, if it's going to be progressive, was it not progressive enough for Amy? Like, where, where are we? Mi- what's the... Something's missing here. You know what and I mean? And Greta Gerwig is very progressive Gre- as Yes, well. she's a super... She's like yeah. Miss Feminist yeah, over here. Hello. Yes, Like, yes. come on. So that's what... It's, it doesn't add up. Something's like there had to be something else there. I mean, Barbie can, you know, be an inventor, be doing these amazing things and wear high heels. So I, right. I'm interested. Like we don't see- have to take all the femininity away yeah. from Barbie. Like that's what makes Barbie Barbie. Yeah. Like she can still be very much like a, you know, a, a woman, if you will. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to go down that road. Yeah. Too no. controversial. Yeah. Too much controversy. We know, what you meant. we know what you meant. Yes. Anyway, so we'll see what comes of that. Yeah. Um, but I'm, we're very excited. We're to very see it. well. You're very excited. I, I, yeah, I'm. You're I'm, like whatever. I'm so I'm, like, so, yes! I'm so so about it. Anyway, Barbie. I'm gonna join Baby. We can transition into something we like to call the Hollywood hoedown. This is where we talk about breakout stories. Yes, we'll do the little lasso thing. Um, and this, the story I want to focus on for this, uh, this this appeared in Variety. It was really interesting. They posed this question, and this has to do with Michael Bay's 
new movie, which speaking of Jake Gyllenhaal, my yep. homie, uh, this has to do with Michael Bay's new movie, Ambulance, which just came out this past weekend and which flopped at the box office. It pulled in like a, a middling $8.7 million for the weekend haul domestically. And the movie cost like $40 million to make, which is relatively cheap for Michael Bay movies. But still, it did terribly at the box office. It got overshadowed by Sonic, which is— And apparently is, this is like one of the best Michael Bay films, people are saying. So, okay, so check this out. I went—this is how much of a loser I am. I went to go see Ambulance last night. Very late. It was like a last-minute decision— what did you say? I, I know, it was a last-minute decision. I wanted to talk to you last night. I know, I, I, we were texting last night, but I, it was a last-minute decision. You, I, was, I was sitting around watching baseball, and I was like, I was like, we're going to talk about Ambulance tomorrow. Neither one of us have seen it. Yeah. So one of us has to come to the table prepared for this. So I was like, make me look bad. No, you're that good. Is, no trip, no <laughs> worry. I just, I just kind of made a game-time decision. That was like last-minute decision. I ran decision. to the theater for like a late like 9.20 show. Damn. And I watched it. And so I went to bed pretty late last night. Whatever. Should what else is new? Um... <laughs> It was fantastic. It was awesome. It was, Jake Gyllenhaal was awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, the, the was whole, really good. Yes, he was fantastic. Like, it was such a- Isa seems like she's really good too. She's okay. She was. She did her part. Um, <laughs> it ran a little long, but that's not the point. It was It was a typical Michael Bay film. If you know Michael Bay films, Bad Boys, Armageddon, all the Transformers movies. Yeah. Like, he's like a big action guy, right? That's his, yeah. Yeah, and so the movie flopped. And the question is, um, is Netflix killing- action flicks. Is Netflix killing original action flicks specifically at the theaters? And I think the answer to that, unfortunately, is yes. It totally is. And if you read this, this Variety article, they basically lay out how Netflix has sort of carved out this niche space. Like, they have they have a ton of Netflix original movies with huge stars, Chris Hemsworth. Like, think Red Ryan, Notice, Red Extraction. Notice. Yeah, The Old Guard, Triple Frontier. Even Michael Bay himself made a movie with them called Six Underground with Ryan yeah. Reynolds. So, and, and Mark Wahlberg has been in, like, a ton of action movies with them. So And Red Notice was, like, like what crazy records for Netflix. I guess. I don't know. It's hard to gauge. It's hard to compare, like, what Netflix records are compared it, to box I know, but it, basically it, yeah. it did well for Netflix. It supposedly did That's well with Netflix. So the it. point yeah. is— and people know this. Like, if you if you have Netflix at home, you usually see, like, oh shoot, there's a new big budget, splashy action movie, like an original star action. having a big star, having as well. a big, that star, has a big star. That is becoming yeah. more and more common thing lately yeah. for Netflix. They are just they have the money and they're just snapping up all these get, like, actors. A new film a week or something. Yeah, and they're, like they're, they're cranking out like these big budget action movies that back in the day, not not even back in the day, like maybe ten years ago, that you would have to go to the movies to see, like with Michael and not Bay. Not just go to the movies, but like wait in line. Right, and, it was like, like oh, it was like yeah. a thing. Like you it was would an experience. like back in back in the day. I feel like back in the day was like ten years ago. <laughs> Back in the day, in the but 2010s, a lot. it has it's changed, changed a in the past lot. decade, but we're basically going to see an action movie is no longer a thing, especially in the wake of the pandemic. Like that, that's another X factor to this too. But like discussion for another time. Yes, yeah, but people are essentially what this article argues is that people will go out to the theaters. They will spend their money on theater movies, but they'll only do it for like superhero movies or like Spider-Man. or big franchise like Sonic, like you know, like uh, big franchise, big banner type movies. Which is, which I think is evident. It's evidenced in the box office numbers. Like Ambulance, eight point seven million dollars is nothing for that type of a movie. Like independent film. Like if, if that, if that. Ambulance would have came out like 10, 11 years ago, it, it probably would have came out with like a, a ten to fifteen million dollar opening weekend, which would have been yeah. like, oh, that's really good. You know what if I mean? Not higher. Yeah, it would have gone way higher. But like eight point seven million, and and it kind of makes me think like, yeah, I think Netflix really is kind of killing original action flicks. Um, and by the way, we should mention, Michael Bay himself is a huge advocate of seeing this movie in theaters. And I, and unfortunately for him, I think he is, he doesn't see the truth. The truth is, yes, Netflix is killing action movies. It's taking up a lot of 
streaming is taking over movie, the movie world. It's taking over the movie industry. But let's let's hear Michael Bay's thoughts on this real quick because okay. we actually have some sound. I mean, I guess like that novelty then of actually having a movie coming out in cinemas hasn't worn off yet. Then after the last couple of years, no. I I uh, listen. I did a I did a Netflix movie. It's not as much fun. You know, it looks just so much better on the big screen. You know, that's what you do it for the audience. This clip is brought to you by My Movies. So he's obviously referencing his movie Six Underground, which is another big budget action movie that he did with Netflix. The thing is, here's the problem with Michael Bay. He's saying, go see Ambulance in theaters. There's still a space for original action movies in theaters. That's his argument. That's his thesis. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. And and the thing is with Netflix, once you go Netflix, you don't come back. Or like once you open Pandora's box which Michael Bay has done by making a, mo- a big budget action movie with them, you can't really come back from that. You, and can't, I think you can't put out a movie in theaters. Unfortunately, like I'm, okay, let's, let me just make one thing clear because we're both on this. I love seeing movies in theaters. I don't want movie yes. theaters to die. All for saving the theaters. Go see movies in theaters. However, yeah. I think he needs to n- come back to reality. Sure. And, real, and have like, you know, a reality check and know, even though he did a movie at Netflix, clearly he did this didn't stick. Yeah. That, it's the future. Streaming is like more popular. It is the future. But it you know, the there are Netflix For better or worse. For better or worse. Yep. Yes. It is the reality and and kind of, you know, we say it's kind of more unfortunately. Cause I mean, I love Netflix, but not for like there's certain films that I want to see in the theaters, especially the first time. Yeah. So I like one thing that Netflix does do that I should because we're kind of like, you know, criticizing Netflix a lot. Yeah. I think one thing that I should say that a lot of the like bigger films, like um like Oscar worthy, like award show kind of films, they do like a Limited window. Limited, limited window of theatrical first, and then it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's, but, it's a I very small window. I don't know. It's very small. I don't know if it makes a big difference, but I feel like maybe if they, especially for like action flicks or um, some of like the bigger uh, films that have big names, yeah. maybe they could make that bigger or something. Not that like Netflix is going to listen to us, but you know what I mean. Maybe they could um, make the theatrical. But why would they quick. do that? They're like, what's the incentive to do that exactly? Other than just like just reverence, like oh, we want to pay respects and homage to the theater. Like if they don't, they don't give it. They don't care about that. I know, this, but I feel you know like what I mean, like they're I, business people. Like they're gonna, true, they want people I, to come to their service. But at the same watch time, it like, on their service. At the same time, like you know, they. I know they probably don't really care about like theatrical numbers. No, they probably don't. But at I all. still feel like you know, I, I feel like as a you know. Film I, I, hear, like, I think what you're saying is they should have some respect. Yes, is that what you're saying? Exactly what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying. They have should some like respect. they should just want to do it. And I, while they have I, enough money. While I agree that they should have some respect, <laughs> the realist in me says they're not going to have respect. Yeah. They're, they're going I'm to be optimistic. They're going to continue but... taking over the movie space. Yeah. They've already, in my mind, they've already taken over uh, the action movie space. And by the way, not mention, only that, I should mention this too. Um, Ambulance, even though it was great on the big screen, it was a, it was a good movie, good performances. Here's the truth. It could have I, honestly. I was sitting. I was like. I could have been at home watching this on Netflix. Really? Yeah, real shit. Now we're like totally switching. No, I'm not. I'm I'm just being honest. Like, even though I don't like the idea of Netflix doing that, I was sitting there kind of being honest with myself. I was like, did I really need to come to the theaters? If this was on Netflix tonight, I could just as easily turn this on. Because I was like, there's nothing, that's what I'm saying. Like, the the tastes of audiences, they're not going to the movies these days just for like a a standard action movie. You got to really sell them something. Like, something special. Something unique that this movie offers me. And I think... That's kind of where we are in 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 our our genres in another genre, rom coms. Yes. Netflix is taking over rom coms. It's like they have, and they're like some of them are just horrible. Most like, the first, awful rom coms. Most of them are awful. Most of them are awful. Yes. I mean, it's it's you most know most Netflix originals are awful. Just to be frank, but anyway, not 
all that, of them. We'll, 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 we, agree we'll, 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 we'll agree to disagree on that. But I think that, you know, with the rom-coms, it's, you know, the early 2000s, 2010s, yeah. even you know, going up to it. Those were like peak rom-coms. You're and right. We and you would go to the theaters to see it. Go them. to the theaters to see it. Right. And then, you know, now I obviously rewatch them on Netflix and other stuff. Like, you know, every year, like I watch, you know, Nancy Myers. I watch It's Complicated. I watch The Holiday every year. Speaking, Speaking of, of Nancy, Nancy Myers, Myers uh, she recently inked a deal with Netflix to sort of come out of retirement because she hasn't been, she hasn't made a, an original movie of hers. Since Home in Again. Like which six, like, seven years or yeah. something like that. Uh, she's going to make a new rom-com with Netflix, ironically enough, even though she's a, she's a vanguard of the theater days. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. So like she inked a deal with them. She kind of alluded that she was going to do this. We have some sound from her, but let's, let's hear what she said. If I were to make another movie, I would make it for a streamer. Why? It's going to end up there anyway, within a few weeks. Yeah. But I mean, in the Heights is opening tomorrow, I think, or what Thursday. I've seen the trailer on television, but I want to go to a movie theater to see, huh? Yeah, well, I don't want to go be in a theater in a mask. I'm not that comfortable in my mask that I want to be in a mask in the theater. So, I, you know, I think after a year passes, we'll know a lot more how comfortable people are. And also, for the most part, the movies that are made for movie theaters are not necessarily movies I'm really dying to see. This clip is brought to you by MTPF Studio. So there's some truth from Nancy Myers. Yeah. Um, she and, and whereas Michael Bay, I think, is sort I was of stuck say, in the past. Exactly what I was gonna say. He's stuck, even though he did make a movie with Netflix, or he's sort of kind of pivoting he's in that way a little bit. Like, he still nah. has that throwback mentality. Mm-hmm. Whereas Nancy Myers sees the future and says it's going to end up on streaming anyway. So the next movie I make will be with a streamer. And sure enough, there she, here she is making a movie with Netflix, progressing, adapting. Like I mean, that's what you kind of have to and, do, right? And you know, if anyone can bring back the quality rom com. It's Nancy, it's Nancy Myers. Myers. Yes. So, 100%. you know, I'm very much I'm, looking I'm that I'm actually looking forward to. A Nancy Myers rom-com as opposed to all the trash rom-coms <laughs> that Netflix cranks out all the time. Let's bring back some quality. So, yes. and then let's go into our last segment. Yes, so, I'm so excited about we're this. So one. excited about this. Yes. So, There's nobody else can do this job because they got too much feeling. Fabian, we what did you see this weekend? What did you think? Any movies that you saw this weekend? Well, not not last night, this past week. Not weekend. last night. Okay, what I saw yeah, this weekend. Yeah. So, I saw everything, everywhere, all at once. As did I. As did you. And my Lord, I was oh. so blown away, so impressed. Like, I mean, like the the bar for movies for me this year, it's early in the year, has been set high. So high. And I mean, I can't I can't sing this movie's praises enough. Um, and what do I where do we even begin to talk about this? So you you start, okay, you start, because yeah. I'm sorry, I'm at a loss for words about the I mean, everything. Yeah. So I haven't had an experience in a theater. Yeah. I haven't had speaking experience of theaters, in, yes. Speaking of theaters, I haven't had experience in the theater. I can tell you the last time I felt like that, if ever. Right. I think the closest might have been I mean, like you're, Dark Knight or you're something. You're gonna roll your eyes, or... but maybe, maybe Spider Man: No Way Home. Okay. Or that's, that's, or that's like fair. Parasite, maybe. Sure. Parasite, I was like, you know, so like, you know, right. edge of my seat. Edge of your seat. Yep. But. This film, like you go through in a whole roller coaster of emotions. Like yes. I haven't laughed that hard in a film and I haven't cried that hard. The last 30 minutes, I was just bawling. And and it yeah. was just such a good film. I mean, it's labeled as a science fiction, black comedy action adventure film. Yeah. And it literally has every single one of those genres in there. All of it. It's, and it's just Just to echo what you wild. just said, I, I, I completely agree. I haven't had a movie mm-hmm. theater experience like that in a very long time. Yeah. It's- 
I'm kind of sad I won't be able to to, to have it again. Well, like, I'm going to go see it again. Oh, no, I'm, for I'm sure. But I mean, for the first again. time. Oh, for the first like, time, you're right. I used right. tweets. I was like, I'm, I, I'm I bummed I won't be able to I see it for the first time envy, again. Env- I envy the people that are going to go see it for the first exactly. time. Just like you said, it is a roller coaster. Like, it's it's here. What, what, it's a blend of movies. It's like a it's like an action movie like slash multiverse. sort of multiverse, like universe hopping. Um, there's a sci-fi element to it. But at its core, what it's really, it's a movie about um, an immigrant family. Yeah. It's about um, about uh, unfulfilled dreams, mm-hmm. dreams deferred. Um, it's about like mother daughter stri- sexuality, fr- LGBT like LGBT the stuff is in there. But like, there's, like, at, at its core, it's a story about um, a love between a husband and a wife, and their relationship falling apart, and the and- mom and her daughter and their relationship falling apart, and kind of how they have to reconcile all that. You know, and it's like just so- one woman learning that she actually doesn't think that she has the ability to do all these things, but she actually learns that she has. It's, I'm, that's, I'm not explaining it right, but No, she, no, you, it's, it's basically ha- her realizing her potential. Yes. She, like, she, I'll, I'm not going to spoil it, but exactly. like throughout all these different universes and multiverses that they explore and these different like versions of herself, oh. she realizes, okay, oh my God, like I'm not just a laundromat. I thought I wasn't special, I'm not special, just a laundromat owner yeah. or whatever. I'm, I could have been this, I could have been that. And it's, it's just such a touching movie. And like you say, I was cheering. I, I'm not. I wasn't crying, but I was definitely tearing up on some parts. Yeah. Like toward the end, I was like, "Jesus!" And we should mention uh, Michelle Yeoh is the lead. Spent is, in so much. I actually also watched Crazy, Crazy Rich Asians over the weekend. One of my comfort yes, movies. She's, she's phenomenal. She's in that. known from Crazy Rich Asians recently, but she's also more so famous for, for Crouching Tiger, yeah. Hidden Dragon. She's a Malaysian actress. has has quite the filmography of hers from Asia. Like she's like she has been cast over the years as like an action star, yeah. kung fu star kind of. And I mean, look. I, you could argue that maybe she's been sort of typecast over the years. That's a, that's a fair argument. Yeah. Um, and by the way, um, Kihi Kwan, yes. who is the kid from The Goonies, the Asian Indiana kid from Jones. The Goonies, and yeah. the Asian kid from Indiana Jones, the sequel, uh, Temple of Doom. He's back. Yes. That kid from the 80s, that he, that famous kid from the 80s who hasn't been in movies in, I, I would argue, I years and years. 2021 was this Disney Plus movie was the first time that he came back. But he is back. back. Yeah. I, I honestly think he, he's going to get nominated for an Oscar for this, like for Best Supporting. And yeah. I think Michelle Yeoh is going to be nominated for, for Best Actress for this movie. I was so impressed. And Michelle Yeoh herself even spoke about how... How she much was breaking how, down her role? How meaningful GQ. this movie was yeah. for her because, and, and she basically, we have the sound. Let's just yeah. see, let's hear her. When I read the script, I thought, "This is something." Oh dear. No, this is something I've been waiting for, for a long time. That's going to give me the opportunity to show my fans my family, my audience, what I'm capable of. To be funny, to be real, to be sad. Finally, somebody understood that I can do all these things. This clip is brought to you by GQ Magazine. She is so, she is so right. And the material, as I'm saying, this movie and this role specifically, Again, we just said it's a roller coaster of emotions. So and, many, and a lot of those emotions are channeled through her performance. It is she. She shows so much range in this yeah. movie. I was blown away. Like and, she's and, already getting Oscar buzz. I yeah. mean, the film has become Letterbox. If you guys don't know Letterbox, is it highest rated film ever yeah. of all time. And rightly so. I mean, it's it, it, she, it, like, but it's, she's just phenomenal in this. Yeah. I can't even put it into words. Like she is just. Like I, I said, I mean, like, if, for, for, if you're kind of interested in what the movie is about, again, multiverse jumping, sci- it, it, it's very reminiscent of The Matrix. There's, there's, a, there's a Matrix element to yeah. it, too. But it's, it's I can, again, 
Go see everything everywhere all, all at once. once. That is Please. all I can say. Go see it. Yes. It is quite the movie experience. This is the type of movie experience that you is need worth to see going in a theater. Go, it is worth seeing in theaters. We're talking. We're talking about is our theaters dead? Maybe they are, but movies like this are going. There's to some help. films that you like. I think like I I have to see that in theaters. Yes, first. and this is a film that you need to see in theaters. Yes, hundred percent. There's obviously and it's probably, the, the it's represent- A24, so it's probably a lower like a li- more limited release. But I'm not sure about the lease. But it is find a limited a theater, release. Find a theater to go see it. Especially like, if you're in LA, it's out here. It's playing. Go check it out. Yeah. A24 once again hit it out of the park oh. and. Yeah, so everything, everything, all at once. Can't say enough about it. Go see it. Um, and I think with that, that's yeah. probably a good place for us to oh, end just here. Just a quick, quick note. We wanted to say R.I.P. to Gilbert Gottfried. Yes, R.I.P. Gilbert Gottfried, voice of Iago from Aladdin and so yeah. many other iconic roles and such a well-known comedian and such a great comedian. He died yesterday, yeah. really unexpectedly. Um, and he or has quite want. he has quite the career. So shout out to Gilbert Gottfried. And uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube. Yep. And uh We'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Bye.